Hey guys, White Famous is a new Showtime original comedy series about trying to make it in Hollywood, starring SNL bet Jay Farrell as Floyd Mooney, a comedian whose career is about to blow up, but he's not sure he's ready for all that. Can he make it without losing his soul? White Famous is executive produced by Academy Award winner Jamie Foxx and the creative Californication Tom Capinos. And the show is based on Jamie Foxx's real life experiences and also stars Michael Rappaport, Jacob Ming Trent, Utkrash, Ambudkar, I hope I didn't mess up his name, and Lonnie Chavez. Uh, the two-episode series premieres this Sunday, October 15th at 10 p.m., only on Showtime. It's really, really funny, guys. It's really kind of the story of Jamie Foxx making it in Hollywood. And you can also watch the, the hilarious season premiere right now for free on YouTube. So just download the Showtime app now to start your free trial. That's White Famous. Welcome back. This is Larry Wilmore. I am Black on the Air. Thanks for joining me, you guys, uh, especially this week in particular when nothing is going on. There's absolutely nothing happening in the world. I don't even know why I'm doing a podcast anymore. Every time I do this podcast, zero is happening in the world. Wow! <laughs> My head is exploding every single day now. Every hour, there's something There's something going on. And uh so I'm just going to answer, we're going to do a special show today. I'm going to answer some questions from a lot of um, the fans of the show. Um, my buddy Tommy Alter is going to join me, me today. But um, I'll be talking to Nancy Pelosi later this week at the Texas Tribune Festival. And I think we'll post that early next week. So I'll get back to the interview format shortly. But I thought, man, there's just too much going on. <laughs> we just got to have a bull just session. Gotta, just got to chime in. <laughs> and just talk about some of this stuff. So we're going to do that. And it was tough thinking of what the first thing to talk about is. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Of course, it's Cosby, guys. And, no, I have not forgotten about you, motherfucker. I have not forgotten about you. And, of course, I had to post that. Thank God that justice has, let me say, somewhat been done in this case. Because I have some, you know, varying uh, opinions and feelings about this now that it's over. And it's funny. Um and Tommy, thanks for, for joining me uh, for this conversation. Tommy was working on the nightly show in the beginning, and our second episode was about Cosby. Yeah, at that we and at that out, point, at that point, no one was talking about it. No one was really talking about it. Hannibal Burris had already done his set, of course. It, it was in the news. A couple of people, I think Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yes, Amy Poehler. Sorry, Amy. No, no slight. I love Amy Poehler. She's awesome. They uh, did the Golden Globes. I think that you're into yeah. some jokes about it. I yeah. think. But that was about it. You know, I think people still felt afraid to kind of do it as a joke. And it was, we weren't into the, the current Me Too movement, you know. No, and if, and, and, peep, and he was still, he was still, he was still kind, kind of, of protected. Feared. Yeah, he was, he kind, was of still kind of protected. Yeah. Like, I remember when we did it, people were like, oh, wow, I can't believe they're taking shots at him. Yeah. He's kind of royalty. And I'll never forget because um, it was very surreal. Maybe I'll talk about this time a little bit when this first happened. It was very kind of surreal because we were, launching the nightly show when this went down. And I remember it was like November, December, and we were doing what you might call practice shows. And one of our practice shows was actually about Cosby, I remember. And I thought, to be honest with you, I thought, well, this isn't going to be an issue once we actually get on the air. Yeah. I thought this is going to be gone, you know, because at that point there were maybe like maybe four or five, which isn't an insignificant number, by the way. But you it, know, but it, it, it wasn't a big news story. It wasn't a thing that at yeah. that point had really captured the— It hadn't caught fire in the way that it ultimately would. Because, yes, the Hannibal Barris thing started the conversation again. But 
the Today Show, like ten years earlier, did a story on it. You know, I think when the Constant case was was first uh, yeah. going on, and people talked a little bit about it then. And I went back into my notes, and I actually found some of my notes about doing jokes about Cosby trying to roofie people or something. You know, and I was like, wow, I I wrote that idea years ago. I never did a joke on it, but uh, it was under my heading of. Uh, inappropriate things to joke about. <laughs> so that's that's the way I looked at it back then. You know, that I didn't know how an audience would respond to it because it was so horrible. But I always suspected that motherfucker. Always yeah. suspected Well, you him. never liked him personally, right? Well, it's not so much that. My mom told me a story about him from the early 80s. She went to some, it was a tennis tournament down in San Diego with her friend. They just went to have some fun and people were asking for Bill Cosby's autograph. And she said he was so nasty to people. And he was saying, I don't give out any goddamn autographs or something like that. You know, she was, the way she even told us, my mom was so entertaining when she yeah. tells that type of stuff. And I was like, what an asshole. And this is before the Cosby show came on. So, and I had, I had liked Fat Albert, you know, and going, hey, 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 and all that stuff. And yeah, he's the jello man, whatever. But at that point, he was just kind of the jello man at that point. Yeah. That was about it. And once it. you hear a story like that about somebody, it's kind of he sticks, was done. It sticks in your brain. He was done in my yeah. mind. I'm like, when are you going to treat my mom like that? You know? Yeah, you, you, and, can't, uh, get, you can't get off of it. So I knew it. he was an asshole before the Cosby. So when the Cosby show started, I was like, yeah, it's okay. I was never a huge fan of the Cosby show. I Although I have to admit, I love the fact that it was successful because I thought, this is amazing. You have a black family on television that's positive like this. This is great. But I really didn't watch it that much. And I was doing a lot of stand-up in those days. So I was just kind of busy at night. You know, it was pre way pre-DVR days, right? So I wasn't a huge Cosby Show fan, but I was a fan of it doing well, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I was a big fan of that. Very happy for it. But even back then, and now I'm going to jump to the early 90s, I heard stories about his inappropriate behavior. But from my point of view, I thought he was just pawing women. You know, that expression where he... I thought he was groping and that kind of thing. And uh, someone told me a story of him trying to hit on her back then in those days and that she was warned not to be in an elevator alone. And yeah. I heard this in the early 90s about him. Yeah. So at that point, I knew, well, this motherfucker sounds like a bit of a predator. There's something. something. If you hear these stories yeah. more than once, there's, there's probably some smoke And different there. people had mentioned it at the time. Yeah. Okay, so when I heard the thing in the early aughts about it, it still hadn't, the drugging part hadn't come up yet. That's the part. That was like the missing part of it, you know. And once the drugging thing came out, like with the Hannibal Burris thing and the revelations of how he did it, oh, man. For me, it was like, this motherfucker, this. He's di I, it's diabolical. Yes. And, and it, it came to me in a rush because the, the testimony of the women and the way in which they expressed themselves and the fact that these women had not been listened to over the years. Yeah. That— as loud as they were, it it created silence, you know. And the silence was created by this powerful man. He was the powerful man was the wall of silence yeah. that the women's voices could not get through. And that it re, I, I don't know what it was, Tommy. That just hit me right in the in the solar plexus because there are people in my life who are close to me, uh, including my own mother, who have been sexually abused, sexually assaulted, and that sort of thing, you know. And um, and the revelation of that, of how many of us, you know, know, have people in our families, know people around us. And there are women walking around you, you don't even know it, you know, who have been sexually assaulted, sexually abused, all of these things. And they might not have told anyone about these things. And part of it, you know, was the collusion of silence 
uh, that was co-signed by the community itself. Yeah. You know, by the way laws were handled, by the way court cases were handled, by the way we dramatized things on television. Guys, rape was fetished on television and movies for a very long time. I'll never forget the uh, soap opera, All My Children. <laughs> yes, I watched soap <laughs> operas back in the day. But All My Children, the, the, uh, the most popular characters they ever had, or was General Hospital. It may have been General Hospital. Uh, the most popular characters they ever had was Luke and Laura. You know, this is this way before your time, Way Tommy. before. You don't I'm have just, to know I'm this. just listening. Okay, Luke and Laura, the way they met was because he raped her. And they were the most popular couple on television. Wait a second. Really? Yes. This is, That's th- weird. This is how it started. But this these storylines were used to, you know, do whatever. And the way people looked at it was, I mean, the fact that rape could lead to this magical Hollywood couple it's on screen. That's insane. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's ridiculous. You know, and even then I was like, come on, man. Come on, man. But like that was even my opinion back then. You this know? this also the it also foreshadowed, I mean we've seen so many examples since then, like you were mentioning the wall, but just yes. the the power play that yes. these that these because these uh a lot of these cases did not come out because right. he exerted his influence. It wasn't yes. just luck. So like, remember that like we, we that's we, absolutely right. We talked about yes. it on the show, and it's been it's been brought up a bunch since then. But there's that case at Temple University where he was like the he was yeah. basically like the king of he was like the king of Temple. Sure. And there was a, a coach on one of the basketball teams, a female coach on the basketball teams, who accused him of this, who mm-hmm. didn't work with him or anything like that. There was no. She just like he did this to me, and yeah. it was and her job was threatened and everything. It's like you're you're like accusing God, right? And because because I'm in showbiz. I understand how stars are treated. They're very they're they they're coddled all the time. They're in kind of this bubble of this worship bubble, you know, where people and people don't want to rock that boat, you know, because they're on that they're they're on that success train, you know, whether they're getting paid by this person or they they just live out of fear. And to me it was the combination of the star power type of thing and the male in society type of thing and the male's position in society and how women are completely dismissed. Remember, uh, at around the time of Cosby's first rape, you know, which apparently was the late 60s or maybe mid-60s or who knows, maybe he did something before he was raised. I mean, I don't know. But at the time of the one that we know, a woman couldn't even get a credit card on her own. Her husband had to get it for her, you know. Women couldn't get loans on their own and things like that without permission from their husband. You know, as that recent history, the way women were viewed and treated was always through the lens of a man. Yeah. You know, um, you know, in so many different ways. You know, I don't need to unpack all of that. We're all aware of that. But I just want people to know, especially the younger listeners to this, this was not lo- that long ago, you guys. That's what I want you to know. We're talking about very recent history well, and how the how this tide has has just turned recently. So, like, everybody who kind of shits on feminists, I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. Without feminists, you know, a lot of this stuff would have taken any— that change happens. Yes, would have yeah. taken even longer. So yeah. stop stop picking on feminists, for Christ's sake. God, God bless feminists for, for taking all that abuse for so many years, especially the early feminists who really took a lot of abuse in society, you know. Well, but anyway, back to Cosby. So there's, there's another element to this, which I find very offensive, and it's the racial element, Okay. Now, well, I shouldn't say offensive. I should say it's, it's troublesome to me because 
there are people who feel that, including Cosby's lawyer, who was such an asshole. <laughs> he's just, he was just, oh, he was just out of asshole. his mind. He's, he's ridiculous. Like the know? thing that we were talking earlier, like he said it was the most racist trial in the history of America. You're yeah, like, racist bro, and sexist. What, you're right. Emmett Till is like fourth. About? Yeah. Right. Cosby's first. OJ was second, of course. <laughs> but uh, that that is ridiculous, you know. Um, where do you find this guy? No, it's ridiculous. But to use race in this situation where he assaulted black women and white women too, you know, but there's not a taking down of a black man type of thing in this. Because, by the way, guys, and you know this about me, I would have been the first to sniff something like that out. Yeah. That would not get by yeah. <laughs> my radar. That you know I would keep it 100 in that if that was going on. I would point that out. That is not happening in this case. This is a the, what's important about this, it is a male female dynamic. This is not a black white dynamic or a black versus society dynamic. Okay? So get that out of your mind. I don't care if Cosby show like people always say this, "Man, don't you think it's a shame that we have to forget about like we can't watch the shows anymore. And don't you think it's sad that we can't enjoy his comedy? I was like, oh, no, I think it's sad that women were raped. That's yeah. what I think is sad. Yeah. I think it's a shame that women couldn't speak up for you. Like, stop, That's the part that I think is thinking a, about yourself your, for one second. Put your compassion in the proper place, yeah. people. Don't misplace your compassion. A TV show is fiction. It's made up. It's not real. It's for your enjoyment. It's not for your evolvement. You know, understanding the vagaries and the complications of why women have not been able to talk about rape and abuse, that helps your evolution, okay? That helps our evolvement as a society. Getting, you know, getting past those moments, but not a television show for Christ's sakes. I mean, really. It's really ridiculous. People make this, they've been making this a lot recently with everyone who's been sort of disgraced. And it just is, it's like stop thinking about yourself for one second and the right. show that you like and think about why we're in this position. Right. So when we did the nightly show and when we did our second episode on Cosby, tonight we're going to ask the question, is Cosby guilty? And the answer will be yes. <laughs> I remember how we started that. But uh, I remember some people thought, well, should a black person be saying this or whatever? And it never, it never occurred to me. I never thought about it once. It didn't make a difference wasn't about black and white. It was about, and the joke we used at the time was he said, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said you know, blah, blah, blah. Other and people and done since then, there have been, there have been, we kept adding. <laughs> right, exactly. And that turned from when we first did the practice show from about four or five, I think it might have even been six, to 60, you know, and countless others. And that's what was breathtaking about it to us was that 60 women have told the similar story in different situations at different times, different decades. And all of those situations were discounted. And that's where the term believe the women, I believe, had its power from that. And a lot of people who are kind of, you know, who are bristling at the Me Too movement right now want to use this phrase as a weapon against the Me Too movement. But you have to understand what believe the women, where that really comes from, is the fact that women were not believed. Yeah. That's why that statement is powerful. And once again, you can go fuck yourself if you want to use that statement yeah, in forget, a way where— I, I, think it was, I think it was New York Magazine. Someone did a cover um, about Cosby maybe yeah. six months or so after after the, it sort of started bubbling up and we did stuff on the show. Right. And it, basically what it was was it was just—at that point it wasn't 60. It was probably like 42 or something mm -hmm. like that. But it was just all the faces. Right. You see the no, actual that. numbers of it and you're like, okay. No, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, all of these people from totally different so backgrounds important. are all lying about this and you just believe this one— Right. 
this one guy, you believe him yeah. over, and it also tells you like the cult, the the cult of celebrity and fame. Yeah. I knew that it's even if you had, if it was your friend and you had, and you or not your friend, if you knew, if you knew a person on one side and there were forty two people on the other side who all had no reason to lie, mm-hmm. who were saying the same thing, like of course you're going to believe right. the forty two people. Just this you idea, would hope. you would hope. I mean, right. we've as we've seen, like people find not ways to true. to believe different things. But right. so the last point in this, people will say, well, are you happy? Larry Wilmer, that this is happening. You must be happy, blah, blah, blah. Happy is not the right word, you guys. It's part of me is kind of sad, you know, to be honest with you. But um, here's my feeling on what's going on right now. Like, here's, here's a cold reality. Let me put it that way. This motherfucker got away with it. Let's be honest, guys. He got away with it. He started doing this in the late 60s. He had a great, an unbelievable, enviable career. Like we said, he was America's dad, which means he got the love and affection and adoration of millions of people for a long, long time. How old is he? Is he in his mid-80s right now? I think he's 83. He's 84? 83. Yeah. His life is basically over. You know? Can't really, you can't really see. He's Guys, he got away with it. He got away with it, you know? he's uh, He may die in prison or whatever, but as far as I'm concerned, the tragedy of this is that it took so long and that he got away with it. You know, and that's where my mixed feelings are. I am it. I am happy that some women are feeling a sense of, I don't know if closure is the right word, but maybe some vindication. Possibly, I saw some speak on television about it, and I'm I am happy for them if they have that. But I'm kind of sad for society that this thing took so long, and that he basically got away with it. And it's kind of a reality of life when we look at it. And part of it. When people, when we look at our president and we criticize him for his life, and we look at somebody who got rewarded for his horrible behavior yeah. his entire life, and this, he actually is rewarded for it. Like people, guys, here's what I'm trying to say: bad people don't always get punished. Bad people win sometimes. Bad people win sometimes. Trump's, that's, Trump's that's, gotten away with it his whole life, guys. That is a fucked up thing to yeah. to ingest. That's not fun. Yeah. It, karma doesn't always happen. We like to think that there's a balanced universe where bad gets punished and good gets rewarded. No, many good people get punished well, and many bad people get this rewarded. This is a question I have for you, which I've thought about a little bit. Um, and not to, not to compare Trump to Cosby yeah. directly because they're both bad in what they do, but they're very different. But if if Cosby was in a position where people could vote for him for something or his like his his legacy was decided by like the popular vote or something like that do you think especially maybe not now but especially when all the stuff was coming out that it would have affected things because the reality is part of what sort of ruined him was the the people in Hollywood or whatever they canceled his shows and they mm-hmm. and they kind of blacklisted him and they disgraced him and everything like that but, but until the criminal justice system got involved he was just a guy that was disgraced. But the thing with Trump, because Trump has seventeen accusers, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't not sixty, but it's not an un, it's not an insignificant number right. of women who've come out against him. But there are people that stand by him anyway. And so, like, my question mm-hmm. is, like, is do you think that if like the popular vote now was if people could vote on what they wanted to happen to Cosby, do you think that people have changed, or there's still like a significant number of people that have? that still support him to this day because they grew up with him and they don't really care about the women? Um, I don't know. I think those are two separate things. When you talk about Trump, you're talking about politics. And politics has its own identity and way that it works based on people belonging to a side because they believe in the general values 
or there are things that they want that side to accomplish. And usually the person at the head of that is just the leader of that vision for them or is the person who's going to do that. And it used, sometimes it is a cult of personality that leads that, but there's some ideology driving it. Whereas Cosby, I think it's people who are either delusional or don't want to believe it. You know, the same R. Kelly thing, yeah. too, where people don't want to believe it because they have a fixation with this person's image, and they believe somehow that that image is reality. Yeah. But they have, they have not taken the time to separate that image from the actual person, or they don't, they don't care to for whatever reason. But um, very funny comic, Ted, Ted Alejandro, very funny comedian. He was at the cellar, I think, last night or the night before. And he, he was doing, he actually did some jokes about Louis C.K. and some of this stuff. And I thought he told a really great joke about the Cosby thing. He said, if you had asked me in the early 90s, who do you think's going to be president and who do you think's going to go to prison as a rapist, Donald Trump or Bill Cosby, I would have gotten that answer wrong. <laughs> and he's right. I mean, think about that. Think about that. You would have asked him in 2010. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know? not 2010. Yeah, well, that was probably too late. But, but yes, yeah, that would have like, been the latest you could have asked. Well, like, it, but there's that would have been the yeah. latest. Yes, but 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 in the early 90s, yeah, he was, he was oh, he was hero. venerated yeah. um, around the world at that point. You know, yeah, he was the world's dad, not just America's dad. It was the most popular show in South Africa. They still had Nelson Mandela in prison when that show was popular in South Africa. Yeah, you know, it's like we, Cosby, we love you. Fuck you, Mandela. <laughs> you stay behind bars. It's amazing. It's just, it's a really mm-hmm. interesting way to look at it. Um, so I think we should talk about the Kavanaugh right. thing because because What's this is question? this is uh well so there's an interesting question we got which is basically like compare and contrast the treatment of Kavanaugh mm-hmm. um to a black. Mexican or Muslim man, how would they have been treated at the age of 17? <laughs> this, is a, this is the easiest question ever. <laughs> they would have been treated horribly. I mean, I don't even know how you... Uh, how, you can ask the question. It's, yeah, such an, it's an obvious. I mean, although hypotheticals are really tough, but this whole Kavanaugh thing is so problematic on so many different levels. Um, and there are so many different levels of it because it's a political thing and not just a clean me too thing. Part of what I don't like about it, or or I should say what I find troublesome, is I'm not completely comfortable with the Me Too, with the Me Too issue being politicized, whether it's being politicized by the right or the left, because it forces people to take a position based on their political ideology and not based on what really happened. And I don't like that. And I think it can demean some, once again, it can render women's voices not hearable, yeah. you know, yeah. because there's a political agenda at stake and it's, here. And it's these, it's these women's lives are at stake. Yes, correct. You know, this is a serious issue. Like, to me, if you really want to get to the bottom of this, you know, withdraw this nomination and investigate this case. You know, if, you, if people are having gang rape parties or for don't even, sakes, You have to withdraw it, but just investigate it. it just no, like, I think you have to withdraw it because then it's still a political question. Yeah. You know, and if we're talking about gang rape, which yeah. is the latest, the latest... The one from Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, the latest accusation was that there were actual the third, gang... Yeah, the third accuser accused there them were, of, That there were gang rape parties, you guys. And this woman has said... I'm sorry to say this woman. I don't know her name offhand. But she has... Um, given the, I'll say implication, because I have to use these words, I'm not sure, 
that Kavanaugh and his friend Mike Judge, I guess, were involved in these gang rape activities, drugging women at parties with punch and stuff like that. Apparently, she had been to a lot of these parties. She did not witness them directly doing this, but she had witnessed a lot of groping and that kind of stuff going on. But I think she said she was the victim of one of these rapes, I believe, but not by them, but that this happened. And it's that type of thing. Okay. If we're talking about a Supreme Court nominee and gang rape accusations, they just need to pull this nomination and sorry, you just got to bring and, somebody and, else. And it's the third. It's the Sorry, third accuser. It's too much. It's the third accuser in a it's week. It's too much. And the last thing I think we want to do is have the Me Too movement and these this type of thing, in, in the crosshairs with this. You know. Yeah. It's to me. I, I don't like that. I wouldn't withdraw it because of that. But now that gang rape allegations are brought up, I think you have to just stop this process. Is- and also, let me just say this. And I know why Democrats are doing this. By the way, too, I get that. I ain't mad at them completely because of how Merrick Garland was screwed and that. I know there's a game being played that the Democrats have slowed down this process. I'm not ignorant of that. I know that's what they're doing. And I know how fucked up the Republicans were with what they did to Merrick Garland. And they're trying to rush this through. But the more I look at this Kavanaugh thing, I, I was trying to withhold my judgment of it for a while um, when it was one accuser of something. And it was this story that happened in high school and so long ago. I wasn't sure... To be honest, I wasn't sure how I really felt about that, you know, and that type of accusation. And for part of the reason of why you brought up in the beginning, what if this has happened to a person of color? Yeah. Well, how would I have felt? I probably would have felt they were being attacked, if I'm being honest, you know. If I'm being honest, I would be a hypocrite. Well, there's a history. If I'm being honest, there's Tommy, a histor- there's a history I would be, of that. I would be hypocritical in this situation. There's a history of that. There's right. a history, especially with black men, of, yes. of, having, of having these accusations that's what I would think. at them that and are I, not. And that's what I would think. That are based I, off of I would think of all the white men in the past lies, that accused just, yeah. black men of raping them and they were lynched. Yeah. That's where my mind would go. And so, and I acknowledge I would be a hypocrite in this situation, you know. So... I kind of put down the brakes on any kind of damnation of whatever. I thought it's important. Let's hear her testimony. Let's get her in front of in this hearing and let's hear her. Because partly when you hear somebody's testimony tells you a lot as well. Yeah. You know, but the more that's coming out, the the more this nomination is very problematic to me. This This type of thing hasn't come out with any nominee I've ever seen for the Supreme Court. No, you, this is totally unprecedented. It is unprecedented, you know. And even the uh, Clarence Thomas hearing was a workplace harassment issue. And remember, at that time, uh, harassment in the workplace was something that was just coming up in the culture as something to be dealt with, right? Yeah. It had been around, of course, forever, but the culture said, we need to start dealing with this. And that was the nadir of it, you know, where it really crystallized that moment for a lot of people. I think Michael Crichton's book came out not too long after that um, disclosure, the, where he kind of flipped it, where it was about a man or something. But it was much in the culture at that time. And Anita Hill talked about several things that happened in the workplace. And they were documented, you know, from her point of view. They were very specific. You know, it was a boss uh, acting to the boss's behavior to someone under him and that type of thing. That made complete sense to me. You know, and this one just seemed a little different than that. I've never seen personal accusations like this. Yeah. You know, of of, at, well, of there, rape well, for the, And the other thing, and it's what makes the, you know? it makes the Republicans trying to just— push this through so much worse is like it seems to be very clear that like this is we're not necessarily done with these accusations coming out I mean there's now been since the first one the second one came out Sunday the third one came out Wednesday who knows by the time we're done taping this there could be another one like this is a this is a and it's the exact reason why you need an investigation yeah and I'm not I'm not in like 
I'm not on that Michael Avenatti train or whatever. He just seems like well, a, he's, a, he's he just a, seems like a Gloria Allred for a yes, lot of these things. Uh, yeah, he is. He is. But you know, his the the woman he's representing is is super credible, and so it becomes, yeah, nothing so, against her. And, yeah, and so I that just ha- have an and, issue with and him. So that, yeah. And so that happens sometimes. But like the the reality is, it's like it makes this it makes it that much worse. And that the Ronan Farrow story that came out on Sunday with the second woman, yeah. they say in the story, it's, it's so crazy. They basically talk about how like the Republicans knew about this. What was the, what was the issue with the second uh, accuser that came out? What, what was her story? So she was at Yale. Her name was Ramirez, right? Yeah. She mm-hmm. was at Yale and, and she, uh, she accused him. She accused Kavanaugh basically of like, Pulling his penis out and oh, waving that's it around. Right. Yeah, that happened in college, though, right? In college at Yale, and it was corroborated by a bunch of people, including like his roommate came out this week and said, "Like I trust her more than him. Like I well, believe her." It seems to me what's what seems to be a pattern here that seems credible is this pattern of drinking and this horrible behavior. Yeah, you know that seems to be a pattern that yes. seems very believable yes. because all of these things have that element in it where a lot of drinking's going on. And this type of behavior happens. But and, of th- course, you know, a lot of people had that type of behavior back then in terms of drinking and acting out. But a lot of people weren't trying to rape yeah. women at the and same this is time. The other, and this is the weird thing, like, mm-hmm. one of the things about Kavanaugh, which why he just, he instills no trust in anyone. Anyone objectively watching this thing is, you like, he did an interview with Fox News this week, of all places. Right. Yeah, I saw that. And he's up there, and he's acting like he's like a— like a choir boy. He's like, yeah. I was a virgin. I hardly drank. I hardly did this. It's like you ask anyone who was around him and they were like, no, that's a lie. Like you're just blat- you're blatantly lying. And so like it's almost different than Trump in a way where Trump Trump has done all this shit, but he like doesn't really deny it. He's like, yeah, right. I went to Studio 60 and I like- Trump was, doesn't care. Yeah, I was with these strippers. I did that. And Kavanaugh is like trying to have it both well, ways. Well, Trump has denied the sexual assault stuff. He's denied the sexual assault right. stuff, but he's basically admitted almost everything else. Yeah, Kavanaugh, but he, and he's obviously lying about all of that stuff Yeah, too, but right? Kavanaugh, is, Kavanaugh is trying to try to be this guy that's like this, this sort of innocent, like, and it just doesn't, it doesn't, Past the smell test at all? Like he's. I, I don't see how they can nominate him at this point or hold the vote. I think they need to pull it. Look, the other side of this, and I shared this with you guys before, is the Democrats are going to lose this. By the way, they're, if it's not Kavanaugh, it's be someone else. There yeah. will be another conservative justice. One hundred percent. There's no because, as I said, Republicans like uh, they vote for these issues, and Democrats protest against these issues. That's the the bad but pattern that, that but we've But that's why it's so like. weird. You're totally right, but mm-hmm. that's why it's so weird that the Republicans are— there was a poll that came out today that was just crazy, crazy that it was surprising, that basically Trump's support among uh, Republican women is down 18 points from what it was in the last time it took yeah, the poll. Yeah, but it's got, those things have to be tested against an election. For sure, but right. but that, I mean, that that's such a big number, and it's a reliable poll. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it's based on nothing. It's like, this is a— this is a self-inflicted error by the Republicans. This is a guy, yeah. it's like, it's an ego thing. They're trying to shove this guy through because they can, and they're friends with him, rather than being just like, he's a, he's terrible for them politically. Yes, but the other thought, the other thing can happen too, which we've seen, is that the right can feel like the Me Too movement is being weaponized against someone, and then there'll be a cultural reaction against the Me Too movement that will come out in votes in the midterms. Because people, this is what happened with the Trump election. There was a, a cultural vote getting out on the right as much as a political one. Yeah. Where people, this is what I said, people were tired of trans, transgender bathrooms. What is the left trying to do to our society? Yeah. You know, they're trying to gay us up and yeah. black us up. And 
all this stuff. We got to get rid of Obama and put somebody, get us back mm, to the 1950s. Yeah. Sorry for that horrible. <laughs> Spot on. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but that was, that of course, you know, I don't know what I was describing. But, this, but I have a question. What, oh, what I'm saying is the cultural reaction, the backlash. Yeah. Or, but or my, the but backlash. My, but my question is, I think that's definitely true. And I think that it's very obvious. Either of those things are going to happen. But it's very, very obvious that right. one of the, one of those, one of those backlashes with Trump and with 2016 was racial. And so right. there were a lot of people that were like white people all over the country who were like, we're not racist and we're going to vote for this guy who is a racist because we're not racist. Yeah, basically. but I, I think it was deeper than racial because Trump wasn't running against Obama. You know, to me, it was more cultural than racist. And the racism part of it was when he was opposing Obama during his administration. But when he ran for president, the, it wasn't as big a racial thing at that point because he was running against Hillary. He was... He, it was really, to me, more of a cultural thing. And I'm telling you, things like transgender bathrooms and things are things that people, I believe, actually voted against issues oh, like Oh, for that. sure. It's like a losing you know? issue for Democrats. But then it, that becomes the question of, like, what do you—how do you weigh what's, like, morally right versus what's smart politically? Different and that's question. Po- that's politics, yeah. All right. What else? All right. Let's do another one. So the Kavanaugh okay. thing, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll do a, a quick word from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more of your questions. Hey, if you ever wanted to see my podcast in person, I've got great news for you. We're bringing Black on the Air to the Now Hear This Podcast Festival in New York City this Saturday, September 9th. And I will be interviewing the very funny, very talented Robin Thede. It's a mini nightly show reunion. It's really going to be a lot of fun. Um, so coming out. Um, have some fun. By the way, one ticket gets you access to all 25 live shows throughout the weekend. And the first 100 people to use our offer code Wilmore at checkout save 20 bucks. Not bad. So go to nowhearthisfest.com to get your tickets. That's nowhearthisfest.com. Enter the free code Wilmore at checkout to save 20 bucks. Okay, welcome back. Let's run through a couple questions. Yes, and please say their names so they can get some credit. Nick, Nick, Nick. Wow, very good. Greatest lesson learned working with Bernie Mac. My greatest lesson learned? Yes. Ooh, working with Bernie Mac. Well, I mean, the biggest thing was learning how incredibly talented Bernie Mac was. He was more than just a comedian. He was a really good actor and, and kind of underestimated as an actor. Um, have really great instincts. So I would say the my biggest lesson learned about Bernie was was learning how multi talented he was. So. Aaron Miller, uh, what are you tired of explaining? And huh. what, what would you talk about all day long if you could? That's a good question. I am tired of explaining that racism has existed in America and continues to exist. Yeah, in different ways, um, because all the different. I just can't believe that people don't understand it. You know. Um, what would I talk about all day long if I could? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, let's see. The couple of things in that. I could talk about my Lakers for a long time. <laughs> well, we're getting to that. That's um, coming. Yeah, probably probably uh, talking. Well, you know what it is? Like if I was in a barbershop, I could just talk shit about sports all day long with other guys talking shit about sports. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to do it on a podcast, though. But there you go. The chief uh, wrote an interesting question. He said, after you create a show mm-hmm. or help create, like Insecure, right. your name still appears in the credits. Does yes. this mean you're still helping in the Ooh, show's development? Good question. Or okay. are you just cutting checks? Really good question. It's different with different shows, depending on what my contract is or what I'm doing. Um, when I 
co-created Insecure, I was also helping to launch Blackish at that time, and I was exec producing Blackish. And then I got my own show, which was the nightly show. And I actually had to leave Blackish, but I still kind of stayed a part of Insecure as a consultant for, for the first season. Um, but I helped Blackish in like the first six episodes while I was doing my show. So here's an example where I'm doing different things for different shows in different ways. So I was full-time at Blackish as long as I could be for about maybe four months. Then I went off to develop my show. And then by phone, I would check in with Insecure and help out on some of the first season scripts. After the first season, I had nothing to do with Insecure. But my name still exists as the co-creator. But I haven't really talked through stories of that type of thing with the people. I still talk with Issa just about whatever. But um, So it's different different shows, different ways work out. And I'm still in the business of creating shows. I'm developing a couple of things right now, a lot of different projects. I actually have a, a deal over at ABC Disney, and so I'm able to create projects for different platforms, whether it be Netflix or the networks or whatever. So I'm really excited about some are you, things that are coming Are you surprised up. at how much of a cultural phenomenon Insecure has become? Um... I don't know if surprise is the right word. Look, when I first saw Issa, an awkward black girl, I was immediately in love. You know, I said, she's fantastic. I loved what she was doing from a performance standpoint. I loved that she had written it, and I loved that she had produced it and had run the whole thing as a venture. I saw, well, here's a woman who's obviously an entrepreneur. I joked with her. I said, you're on your way to being Oprah, <laughs> you know, this early on. And uh, I just saw this powerful woman who had this multi-skill set. And, um, and I didn't know if it would be insecure, but I certainly knew it was going to be something that was going to be big yeah. for her. And I think, I definitely think she's still just at the beginning of what, she, of what her journey is going to be. Amazingly talented. JP, JP writes, uh, can, we What's get up, your, JP? can we get your thoughts on where you see the Lakers this year? Let's go. Are they a playoff team? Western Conference Finals for the Lakers. We were just talking about Minimum. This. I was just talking with Bill Simmons about this. this is, Minimum, guys. It's controversial what I'm bold. saying. It's bold. It's not bold. LeBron, Some people don't think they're going to make it the playoffs. It is not bold. Uh, stop it. LeBron James. Look, and by the way, Zach, this is your boy. See how I'm on the train with your boy now, right? It's my boy. That's your boy, right? I used to I used to kid Zach about it because he was a Cleveland Cavalier. This is the difference, by the way. I brought this up between my generation and your generation. On my generation, we are the fans of teams. Your generation, you're the fans of players. That's right. Right. So he's a LeBron fan. I'm a Lakers fan. Now, LeBron is a Lakers. We're both on that we can, LeBron train. We can come together. Yes, we have come together. So I now I completely acknowledge that LeBron is the best player in the world. There's nobody who can touch him. I acknowledge it. And... You don't have the best player on your team and don't make it to the Western Conference Finals. Sorry, that's just the way it works. But. Sorry. You sometimes do. I'm not taking Michael there, Jordan. There are stop cases, him. Stop there it. Are cases, Let me stop you right now. There are cases stop where it. you have the best no, player on your team. And absolutely you, not. You do not take Michael else, Jordan. No stop one him. else on no. the team is proven. You do not take Michael Jordan in the 90s, put him on any team and say that team's not going to go to the Conference Finals. Take We're Mike, talking about the conference finals. If you take finals. Michael Jordan in 1992 and you take Scottie Pippen off the team and you take BJ off the team. I'm sorry. And you put a bunch of rookies on the team uh-huh. or second-year players. They don't make the conference finals. Maybe. 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 I don't think it's like a definite. Ugh. I mean, Mike, there's, Mike, it took Michael a while to make Ugh. the conference finals. Wait, it took him a while because he wasn't the best player at that point. It was still Bird no. and Magic and he Isaiah. Was Mike by, no, by no, no, late no. 80s, Michael was, by late, Michael was by far the best player By late in the 80s, NBA. he was in the conference finals. Whatever, Tom, give me the next question. Right, I don't need Laker keep, hating in my let's day. Let's keep it moving. 
How do we get you <laughs> back on television from Miss Nebulous? Um, guys, I'm I'm on television sometimes. You know, I will be appearing on TV in, in different things, popping up. Will I have my own show on television? That was like the nightly show. I don't think so. I don't think that's something that I'll be doing. Um, but what I c- might promise you in that arena, if you're interested in me doing that type of thing, is is I do foresee me doing maybe a, a political special or something like that. But actually, but as an actor, I'll be popping up in television here and there. Um, and as a producer, um, I'm doing some exciting things in that realm. I'm doing a, a project right now. I can't talk about it yet, but when it comes out, I think it'll come out next year. I'll be able to talk about it. It's a political thing that I'm working on, and it's very exciting. Um, Garth White has an interesting question. Go ahead, Garth. Explain black Republicans. Um, okay, look, this requires a long. Here's here's what I will here's what I will promise you, Garth. Um, I can make a joke about this, of course, but here's what I would rather do. I want to have some black Republicans on my podcast, some black in the air, and we'll do that, and I'll, we will talk to them about it because I don't want to dismiss it. You guys have to know. Blacks used to be more Republicans than Democrats for a long time. Um, and then they switched over to the Democratic Party, mainly in late 50s, early 60s, around that time, especially with the Civil Rights Act and that type of thing. So there's a long history of blacks giving their allegiance to one or the other party. I don't think it defines your blackness, what party you're in. I think a lot. what a lot of people don't know about uh, blacks as a group of people, and I'm making an overgeneralization, and I realize that as I'm saying it, is that many blacks are, and they will acknowledge this, are socially conservative but politically liberal, meaning they, on the surface, you would think they were conservative by all the measures that conservatives use, including many of their views that are tied to religion, right? I'm being very kind right now. (laughs) Yet, many of those same people will vote liberal. They will vote not necessarily in accordance with some of their lifestyle and beliefs that other people with in, who are in that same Venn diagram will vote, is a kind way to put it. That's a discussion for later, though, because it requires more explanation. And yeah, talking we can explore that on the show. But black people know what I'm talking about, especially very religious um, blacks. There you go. I think it's a good question to end on from well-behaved women. And this is to the same point. Well-behaved women is that the that's, handle? That's the handle. These oh, are some okay. weird handles. Right. Uh, you once said you voted for Obama because he's black. Yes, I once said. Yes. I said many times. Keep it a hundred. Yeah. In an alternate reality, if Obama never won, would you have voted for Herman Cain? What about Kanye? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Um, no, I never would have voted for Herman Cain. I don't think. Would you I, vote for Kanye? No, of course. No, no. I'm not surprised by that. Guys. You seem like a Kanye voter. Me? <laughs> God, I mean, I talked about this with Zach, you know, who was so shaken when Kanye said the thing about slavery was a choice, you know. And guys, guys, whatever gave you the information that Kanye was the person to listen to for your life advice. No. <laughs> Kanye, by the way, is, we can't say on, on Kanye said way worse stuff than even that, that, he, that has not come out yet. Yeah, he's, he's out of his. He's, he's legit got some out of stability issues, but he has proven himself in years past as an interesting artist. And I don't, I don't not. He's an amazing artist, but it yeah. doesn't mean he has any concrete ideas on the world or politics. No. You know, it means he's good at making art and making musical art. You know, to give him a compliment on it, Herman Cain. I just find him a. I found him to be buffoonish when he ran. He was one of those business guys who. There was not a lot of there weren't a lot of toppings on that pizza he was selling us, you know. 
And that that was my opinion of Herman Cain. Now, the the black Republican I would have voted for to answer your question is General Colin Powell. In 2000, when Gen- when General Powell was thinking of running, I absolutely was was uh, why did he never run? I, his ab- wife, his I think wife his wife didn't want him to. I absolutely would have supported Powell and would have voted uh, for a Republican president. He probably would have won. Um, he was hurt by the Bush. It's tough to say. The Bush thing hurt him a lot, but it's before tough then, to say. I think if George Bush hadn't run, that Powell definitely could have gotten the nomination. But I think Bush had too much of the party behind him at that time because his dad was president and all that stuff. Yeah, you know. But if but if George Bush had not run and Powell had run, I I think he could have been nominated by the Republican Party, which would have been interesting. Could you imagine the alternate reality if General Powell had become the president and was yeah. the first black president? That's a pretty good what if. It's kind of interesting, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, Tommy, for all the questions. That's going to be it for today. I'm talking to Nancy Pelosi in a couple of days at the Texas Tribune Festival. If you guys are in Austin, please come by. Say hello. Um, that I'm really looking forward to uh, having a talk with the uh, former speaker. Um, she was on a nightly show. We had ice cream, a big gay ice cream once. It was awesome. Looking forward to that. We have some really great guests coming up in October that I think you guys are going to like, and I just want to encourage everybody, register to vote, vote, register to vote, vote. As Obama said, don't boo, vote. Get out there, guys. We need you. All right, we'll talk to you later.